All right. We're started. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. So, uh, yeah, here we are again with another episode of Recovery Friends Podcast. Uh, My name is Andy. I am the host. And uh, on this program, we bring people on who were once in active addiction uh, and active alcoholism to share their stories of how they wound up where they are today, living sober lives um, and, you know, relatively useful lives. Um, anything said on this program is not the opinion of any 12-step of any program. We are not a 12-step program. Uh, we're just a show that's uh, hopefully, you know, through the stories of our guests can reach somebody out there who's, uh, you know, living the way we used to live and they can get a little bit of hope and maybe, um, you know, believe that they can get sober as well. Uh, so... That being said, uh, today uh, our guest, our esteemed guest, is my friend Kyle. Uh, not, not, uh, <laughs> not specifically special to me as a joke, because I always say like every guest is special every time. Right, right. <laughs> but no, Kyle is a good friend of mine. Uh, what's up, bro? What's up, man? Uh, thanks for doing this. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Um. Want me just to go ahead and get into it? Yeah, I mean we can. I was thinking maybe we could. I, I thought maybe since since like it was you, we were gonna banter a little bit. But if you want to just run into it, we can't force anything. You know, I was gonna just. Congr- I was just gonna say thank you so much for coming. Whenever such a an important fantasy football matchup is happening right now, so I can tell that your recovery is important to you. Yeah, I mean it's a big deal. Uh, <laughs> I. Uh, I got a big playoff game going on right now, but uh, this is priority. Yeah, so does Andy. Um, We are champions, but but yeah, I guess we'll just get into it and let the banter happen how it does. Um, I I had my first, I guess, I guess. That's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, I I guess I'll start with my first time drinking. Yeah, uh, that's always a good icebreaker. Uh, I don't know if you ever watched the Man Show. Whenever you, um, you know, like late yeah. late nineties, Comedy Central. Yeah, yeah. And it used to be, I think Joe Rogan was a host at one point, right? No, it was uh, Jimmy Kimmel, and then and then Adam. The Adam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so yeah. they have. I don't know if it was in the beginning of the show or the end of the show, but they would have like the chiggy chuggy, chiggy chuggy, oi 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 thing, uh-huh. and then they would drink beer. <laughs> but so anyway, um, how that relates to my first, I, I wouldn't say it was. Okay, hey, tell me out real quick. Um, I should have told you this before we started recording, but uh, so and this maybe will explain to our listeners who probably are baffled by the fact that we take a break around thirty to forty minutes in. So about 30 to 40 minutes in, we're going to take a break. Excellent. So I'm going to uh, – this is not very well-produced program. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just going to keep an eye on the thing uh, and just kind of, I guess, kind of like split it in two sections. Like, you know, got drunk and did a bunch of crazy shit and life got shitty and then we'll take a break and then life gets better. Oh, all right. Cool. All right. <coughs> all right. So back to the man show. Uh, me and my friends uh, – I mean, this was just the first time where I got absolutely drunk. You know, I may have had a buzz before this, uh, but this is like when I think of my first drunk or, or drinking time, 
this comes to mind. So me and my friends, we would we would pull together. Either that was um, we we would all tell our parents we needed something, and we'd get like a small amount of cash, you know, maybe like a book for school. Um, I used to tell my mom a big a big thing I used to do was uh, thank you, Andy, for the microphone adjustment. Uh, the big thing I used to do was I would tell my mom that I needed $20 for a book at school. I told her that the more books I read for English class, <laughs> I would, I would get these books and you do like a small book report and you get bonus points. Oh, and you're Engl- so proud of you. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was the beginning of a very codependent relationship <laughs> for me and my mom. But, uh, you know, she would give me the 20 bucks and I'd really, me and my buddies just pool our money together. Uh, so we pulled about. 50 bucks maybe together it was four of us and um you know how you have that that friend whose parents don't care oh yeah i guess is a good word they're just kind of real chill they're real not chill. like overseeing you they're yeah like, well it was a friend that his parents were divorced it was just his dad oh. so like his dad was just like whatever you know <laughs> um so we all pulled together 50 bucks and and i had another friend who had like the older brother that would hook it up, oh. you know? So, uh, <laughs> you know, we gave this guy like 50 or 60 bucks and he, and he brought us back, uh, like a gallon of sky vodka and a fifth of taco. Okay. He so, probably kept so like about, 10 bucks, you know, <laughs> I don't so know. So about 10 bucks worth of alcohol. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And, uh, it's funny cause uh, who was saying this, gave me this, like a very similar story. Emily, said like she, like her and her friends <coughs> gave this high school this high school kid 80 bucks and he came back with like a case of beer yeah right <laughs> i'm sure he kept 10 bucks he 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 has passed now yeah. um but uh you know it was a guy i looked up to when i was a kid um but so he we anyway we get this gallon and this fifth and between four beginner drinkers that's a good bit of alcohol uh so what we did was we did the chiggy chuggy chiggy chuggy chant from the man <laughs> show and we would uh take a shot and we did that like 20 times like we hadn't we didn't know how to drink uh and um you know needless to say you know in the early hours of the morning it was like the exorcist everywhere oh. just projectile it's everybody yeah <laughs> just, just uh, crying we were so drunk we were like i love you crying and throwing up everywhere and you know the next morning i love, <laughs> like, I love you yeah. it's a bonding moment yeah no i mean look those those moments i felt like those connections with those people were so strong you know when i was getting loaded with somebody it was like you're my boy you know <laughs> and uh so the next morning, you know, I remember waking up and like everybody's like sleeping on the floor in the back garage and groaning, like just like, oh, you know, your body's not meant to per- ingest that much alcohol, you know. And yeah. uh, and I remember my friends <laughs> were saying like, man, I'm not doing that again. Like, but the thing is, I really wasn't a fan of projectile vomiting, <laughs> but um that feeling of like kind of just like like relaxing and like i just felt like that's how it's supposed to feel just like a lo- bro love going around yeah <laughs> i'm just a bro at the end of the day i mean i'm not anything special you say i'm a special guest i'm really just a bro uh but uh you know i mean dude but that's some rotten ass alcohol that y'all drank too like Sky? skull 
No, Sky. Oh. Yeah. And Taka. Sky's a, Taka's garbage. It's Sky's, yeah, but Sky's still it's, it's vodka. It's kinda classy. Yeah, Sky's not but, bad. Uh, it's got a blue bottle, right? Yeah, we it's thought blue. Yeah, yeah. It's all like you look at the bottle it's, and you're like, That looks nice, you know. But uh <laughs> but anyway, like I mean and that was kinda like the first I guess line in the sand I kinda drew for myself. It was like, you know what, I'm I'm twelve, thirteen, like I live in New Orleans. I know I'm about to start high school. This is something that I'm supposed to be doing. Like yeah. it's a rite of passage, you know? So it wasn't a big deal. And, and I mean, for the next couple years in high school, um, that was what I did. I had fun. Um, I would save, I got a little job like early on and, um, you know, I'd save up my little money to, to get drunk on the weekends, dude. And it was a blast. You know, I had an older sister who would get me alcohol sometimes. Um, I always had a way to get it. And um, I had a lot of fun. Um, and this I, is this is in Metairie or New Orleans or what area? I'm so, just trying to envision. So, yeah, I grew up in Metairie. It's like a suburb of New Orleans. Mm. Um not for, it's about five ten minutes away uh all this pretty much happened in metairie uh you know at friends houses and stuff like that uh mardi gras maybe you know i always went uptown for mardi gras and mm-hmm. that would happen there but most of this was in metairie um so yeah i mean like that that line was you know i'm just drinking alcohol it's no big deal that was the first when i found that i was like oh this is it you know, this is this is the best thing ever, right? So I try weed. This is the next thing I try. And that, you know, I was in eighth or ninth grade then. And um, I think a lot of it was, like, the image of, like, I got weed and I'm smoking it. <laughs> like, that was, like, a, a big part of it was uh it, it kind of like def- i let it define me early on like like you were i'm, I'm that guy i only smoke blunts <laughs> only. i just <laughs> that was a little later i got into that culture <laughs> but <clears throat> back then it was like you know get a little bitty bag of weed and make it stretch for mm. however long you know um like you liked that people at school could smell weed on you you know like oh. Yeah. What are you yeah. what are you talking about, bro? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, uh that and that was like like I can get it for you or whatever. I thought that gave me like status, you yeah. know. Um but and I think that was like in the beginning what it was all about. Mm. And it was never like like I need this, you know. Uh but yeah, so then it became that and it was like another line the next line was, you know, I uh I'm doing this on the weekends. It's fun and then you know, I would cross that line and it'd be after school specials with, with the boys, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, that continued for a while. And then, the, you know, the next line would be like, hey, I'm just smoking weed. You know, it comes from the earth, whatever. Uh, I'm not doing that hard stuff, mm-hmm. you know, but uh, I uh, I think I took like hallucinogens and that stuff and, and, and like ecstasy that was like my junior year. Mm-hmm. That's and se- I, junior it's, it's and senior very year. similar like timeline as me 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I and I dude, if you would have asked me in my freshman year if I would ever do that stuff, I would say, Hell no. Yeah, I was like that too. I was right. like I was like probably fucking never fucking touching. No. Not cocaine. That's like yeah. out of the question. Yeah. You'd hear like <laughs> you'd hear like Dude, if you take acid seven times, you're clinically insane, <laughs> and all the, you know, yeah. you hear all this stuff, and you or you like, can go permanently crazy. Yeah, yeah. I don't want permanent life. damage, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's scary. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, I tried doing that stuff, and I and I had fun with that stuff too. Like, uh, you know, uh, man, I, like my senior year. So, um, I guess let me backtrack a little bit. So I'm like this weed head kid. Right, and I'm fully embracing the the culture, the look, everything. Yeah, and uh, dreads? No, no, just like the Bieber, you know, uh, like the the wave uh, uh, thing. <laughs> and I went to a Catholic boys' school, so that was like, yeah, I went, yeah, I went to a Catholic boys' school yeah. in the city. You didn't tuck your shirt in. I would try not to at all costs. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, but you know, like I would like sleep in class, you know. Like, sometimes I wasn't even sleeping. I just wanted to look like I didn't care. <laughs> I've never told anybody this. I don't know why I'm coming out with this on the podcast. Yeah, this but is, hey, the, this is great content. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Because, like, I think that's something, like, I probably did the same. I did a lot of that same shit. Like, it's like, you want to look like, like, you want to play the part. So, you like, you know you have to pretend like you don't give a shit. You know? Yeah. And, yeah. Th- and that's what it, it was like. Look, I remember, ta- I, I remember like taking my ACT. I probably told you this before, and and like going in the night, like straight out of a night from partying and smoking and doing coke and drinking, and so like I was like I couldn't focus for my ACT, so I would just do C all the way down, and then I'd put my head down, and I remember thinking, I remember this guy looking at me and thinking and, and thinking this exact thought, like, oh he he. I think I'm so cool. It's so tight. <laughs> or something like that. Like I remember feeling like extra cool because oh, yeah. I was like not giving a shit in that moment. That guy was looking at me like I was like, yeah, "What's up?" He probably wanted, up? <laughs> probably wanted to be me. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah, man. And I, you know, that was that was who I was at that point. Uh, so anyway, I would be sleeping in these classes, and my teachers, I guess, took notice, and they made a thought. I had uh, a. I don't know. Someone got, they had like a drug program at my high school. So like if you, if they got an anonymous tip or, you know, whatever, they would call you in and you'd take a uh, urine test. Mm. And uh, so you'd, if you'd fail a urine test, you'd get in the program. <laughs> and like when you're in the program, you're like really reach that status. Cause, <laughs> cause like then like, you know, you got busted, but like, you know, so anyway, uh, I, that happened to me. Right. So. Uh, another part of the the program is, uh, you know, they give you the old uh, sheet to get filled out, oh. and uh, that was my first experience with a twelve step meeting. It was oh. like I was sixteen years old, and it was me and my buddy. So one of my my boys, like you know, he was one of those kids too in school, mm-hmm. right? Birds of the same feather fly together, and uh, so we both went to our first meeting together, and uh, we uh, I remember, you know, I picked him up and. We looked up in the book of meetings and there was like a young people's meeting. So obviously that's where we're going. And uh, we picked up some like tall boys on the way. We thought that'd be like ironic and funny, <laughs> you know. Uh, so we drank like it wasn't a lot. It was like three, maybe three sixteen ounces. And it was like natty probably. And 
buzzed up. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm 16. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, a good buzz. Yeah. I probably wouldn't tell you that I was, you know, but I was. And so I remember going in the meeting and uh, and it just like not being what I thought it was was gonna be, you know. Um, to be honest, I was like kind of I was scared. Like once I saw everyone in there, I was because everybody looked like pretty happy, mm. you know, and I was like, <laughs> part of me was like, these dudes are losers. And, and then, you know, the part of other part of me was like, I, I thought they were lying, you know, mm. like, I just was like, why would you want to be sober? Like, yeah. I don't get so and I just wasn't there, obviously yet. And, uh, but what I will tell you one thing from that first meeting that always stuck with me was, uh, so we turned our sheets in at the end. Like we didn't know you put it in the basket. We were probably late anyway. We missed the basket. Mm. And, uh, we, so we go get our sheets signed and the guy signed them and he's like, Hey, uh, I just want to let y'all know, like I smell the alcohol in y'all's breath and like y'all are young, like, you know, but just know that this place is here, you know? And I think that was cool because, it, it, you know, we we kind of looked at each other and we're like, fucking loser, you know? Like, we were just like, whatever. Okay, bro. But, and we laughed it off and, and went, went our, you know, left. and uh, But that always kind of stuck with me that it was like, I kind of looked at a, AA uh, or a 12-step program as like the last house on the block. Yeah. You know? It was like kind of like. it stuck in your head that you could have, if things got bad, you right. could probably go back. Cool. Yeah, that's interesting. Did, did did uh the guy that told you that does do you did I don't know I wish yeah. I could say that would be cool if I if I don't I don't really even remember who he was yeah. um I remember seeing certain people that are still around in mm -hmm. that meeting uh -huh. obviously I'm, I'm you know names aren't important but I did see people in that meeting that are, that are still around um hmm. so you know, um, fast forward a, a year or two and, you know, I'm doing like hallucinogens and, you know, me and my buddies are like taking ecstasy and going to bourbon, you R know, rubbing each other down. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I mean, Sometimes. the first few parties were weird, you know, like I, I don't, <laughs> the first few ecstasy experiences are kind of like, you know, in a house, like. I really fucking love you and like, you know, music and all the cheesy stuff like yeah. the Vicks and, you know, that kind of stuff. And maybe, maybe a glow stick, you know, <laughs> maybe, maybe a, a light show or two. Yeah. Some vitamin C packets or whatever. <clears throat> but, um, that was the next best thing. You know, I was like, Oh dude, this is really it. Like, yeah. you know, and, um, so Katrina, Hurricane Katrina happened in my uh, senior year of high school. Um, so I'm getting these drug tests and uh, I'm learning how to evade them. I'm learning how to study for them. Um, that didn't stop me from getting loaded at that age. Looking back, that's kind of like an alcoholic or addict type thing to do is like cheat the system to make yeah. it work, to continue. And I, back then, I was just like, yeah, I'm getting up, you know, whatever. But um, looking back, it's kind of like, huh, I wonder if that's where it happened. You know, you kind of wonder. I had fun with it, and then it turned into this thing. And um, so Katrina happened, and so I really got off the hook. And uh, so 
I evacuated, me and my family evacuated first to Houston. Mm. And uh, they had this place called Mr. ID there. And it was basically a store where you could walk in and get three fake IDs with your picture on them. What? Yeah, it was 80 bucks. And, and my mom brought me there and bought them for me. What? <laughs> I'm 18, right? But I want to buy beer. So, but like, so my mom, my parents were cool with me like drinking. Like they, yeah. they were just like, that's the culture, you know, like my, my grandpa was like a really <laughs> heavy drinker. Like yeah. in like, it was just kind of like a family deal. Um, my dad's dad was an alcoholic and he died an alcoholic mm. death. And, uh, so my dad kind of looked at it a little different than my mom, but me and my mom were like, are like, you know, homies. Like, yeah, you drank with her. No, I, she, so she doesn't really even drink. It yeah. was more just like, she just want, I don't know. She, she just loved you do yeah. anything for you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my mom is like the most special lady. Like, in here's my your life. book money. Yeah. So proud of him. Uh, right. <laughs> So we get these IDs and then uh, I, uh, so then my family wound up relocating to uh, Avoyles Parish, Louisiana. And to give you an idea of what this place looks like, it's yeah. like, you ever heard of the Cochon Delay Festival? It's like where they hang up pigs the, the, the and pigs roast on, them. Like the, on a spick or like on a rotisserie or whatever. So yeah. where we relocated to was the original place. <laughs> for this they had one ye yellow flashing light in uh -huh. town a pharmacy a church and two corner stores yeah um so naturally and you went to high school there for a little while well for like a month but my parents were they were sick of the hurricanes and stuff so they were like we're playing roots mm -hmm. right and i was like i'm not right so they put our house up for sale in metairie and uh and I got the liberty to stay there and continue school and live there by God. myself my senior year. So, like, so up until <laughs> this, up until this point, like, well, I guess there was red flags, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, with, yeah. with beginning in the program, mm -hmm. the program, yeah, 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 the program. <laughs> and other than that, like, were there like things that would have given, oh, like, yeah. given them some pause to let you live by yourself? They were probably their dad was probably worried sick. Okay, so there definitely was other red flags. Um, me and my buddies were in this little this little park in, in Old Metairie, and we were, you know, just hanging out there one night smoking weed and all that good stuff. And my buddy had some, some coke on him and a scale and weed and all this stuff. So the cops show up, and uh, they take my buddy to jail. So, But they don't take the rest of us to jail, but they call our parents. Mm. And... Uh, that was a red flag, you yeah. know, like, hey, your son's hanging out with a guy that has an ounce of weed and with a scale. With scale. Yeah. He's distributing <laughs> narcotics, you know. Um, needless to say, you know, I got I got whooped that night and, uh, you know, like a whooping. Oh, yeah. A whooping son. <laughs> uh, How old were you? Uh, I was like 16. Um, I don't know if I, yeah, that's a, that's a pretty old dude getting a whooping. Oh, yeah, it was more, yeah, it was, yeah. So, I mean, I will say that too, like, there was a little bit of, like, physical I mean, you should only stuff. beat children. <laughs> <laughs> there was, there, I, I, so there was a little bit of physical stuff in my household, uh, but that's not, I, I don't contribute that really to my alcoholism, hmm. I think, or addiction or whatever. It was more just like, I like to get loaded. Um, yeah. 
And looking back, like, I mean, it must be frustrating to see your kid doing that kind of stuff, you know? And, yeah. and, and like, what do you do at that point? Like, you whoop them. I, I don't think I would advocate that for anyone. But. Uh, disclaimer, <laughs> a lot of things are said in jest here. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> um, like, I don't actually believe that you whip children. <laughs> All right. Yeah, we'll just edit that part out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, uh, I'm living, you know, I wound up uh, the, the Catholic school I went to. They moved to night school. Um, and so I'm back at night school and I'm smoking weed before class. And it starts at uh, nine o'clock at night and it goes to like, 2 30 in the morning it's really weird it had to be a night school because they had the other school happening during the day but they let us use their facility at night because our facility was completely trashed mm. um so i'm thinking i'm getting away with murder here right and then all of a sudden i see your boy uh the drug guy like at our high school mm. the second i saw that guy i called my mom <clears throat> that night and i said mom uh, so i was prescribed adhd medicine uh, in high school, like mm. I was, I guess, diagnosed with ADHD. Um, so I took Adderall, was like high school, basically. And uh, I remember telling her, Mom, I can't continue to do night school. I take my ADHD medicine. It keeps me up all night. Now I'm getting depressed. So I transferred to Riverdale. So the drug guy was the, the monitor guy, the, the, the police. Yeah, the drug test, the drug program guy. Yeah. Um, so... Needless to say, I got transferred to Riverdale, which was a public school, which I really liked. It was fun. Um, and, uh, yeah, so my high, my senior year of high school was, like, a complete shit show. I, I didn't really – I only passed, like, one class the whole year I was there, but I had enough credits from the Catholic school curriculum to where that was enough. Yeah. And there was a, and there was a mandate after Katrina where if you went to a certain high school for a couple of years and you finish somewhere else because of the storm, you get to pick the diploma you want. So uh, of course I picked the, the Catholic school and this is just uh, feeding this idea that I can twerk do, things. Do I can get away with things. Yeah. Like I can make things work. And I really thought I had the special ability to do that. Yeah. Um, and I think that's more manipulation than anything. Yeah, it's you funny. Know? It's funny. I remember, I, I remember actually saying this to my dad uh, that I remember admitting to him. This is after high school, but not long after high school that I cheated my way through high school, and he was like, he looked at me <laughs> with great disappointment. <laughs> and I remember saying, "Well, dad, but you got to think though, like, like that also shows great resourcefulness to be able to, <laughs> to be able to pull it off, right? You know, when you need to, like in crunch time, I always, I always got the grades, yeah. But it was cheating most of the time, you know, and yeah. I, and I really felt like that. Oh yeah, and you'd <laughs> almost say it with like pride, yeah, you know, and it shows how like twisted we can be, and um, so like from from. So okay, so at this point, I'm like you know doing a little bit of harder stuff. Um, some of my friends like started messing with like cocaine and stuff. And that's where I was like, you know what? I'm really drawing the line here, guys. Y'all are really like, I'm having this hallucinogen and ecstasy phase and I'm okay with it still. Like, why do we have to continue? Like, you know, um, and, uh, so meanwhile, like I moved to, uh, I had tried, this is my attempt at college was at, uh, UL Lafayette. And uh, that was pretty much the only place I could get into. Um, so me and my friends moved to UL. 
And, uh, man, so we all lived together. We didn't live in a dorm. We lived in, like, a, a student apartment. The boys from your boys from the neighborhood yeah pretty much almost <laughs> all of them um and it's funny man like we've we've all kind of disbanded since then um you know some died uh some went to prison uh you know some moved out of state um and they moved out of state to where it uh never mind it worked do. for them um so we get to UL and um I went to like class for two weeks. I uh, I enrolled in my classes. I showed up for two weeks, and then I thought getting loaded was a little bit more fun. Uh, so I, you know, I I pretty much went there to party, and that's what I did. And uh, you know, while I was there, um, I, I guess that it got worse. Uh, so backtrack a little bit. I had a surgery on a and on a cancerous mole right on my back so whenever i got prescribed i got prescribed penicillin and i got prescribed painkillers i had an allergic reaction from one of them mm-hmm. and i couldn't breathe i had to go to the hospital so my mom told me i was allergic to painkillers so i thought i was allergic to painkillers up until this point you know like yeah and uh but did she also say you're allergic to penicillin no, it was kind of unclear, but she told me that the doctor said I was allergic to painkillers. <clears throat> so I'm thinking I'm allergic to painkillers this whole time. And um, so somehow I get into this like drug dealing circle. Um, I met a guy out there that, you know, uh, he sold Xanax and I was able to get uh you know, some Xanax from him. And it turns out that he's wound up giving me large amounts of pills to sell for him. And, and some of those pills are Laura tabs. So I start selling these things because me, I'm not in school. I'm not really going to school. Uh, so I have to like pay for my housing so I can party with the, you know, the boys somehow. When is this? This is like an O. I was like 19. It would be like O seven. Okay. Uh, and uh, so I start selling these things and I've seen how these people are coming back over and over and over for these pills so after talking to my friends for a little while we decide that i can't be allergic to pain pills and the reason why is i've taken so much ecstasy up to the to this point in my life some of that had to be cut with pain pills so yeah, or something or heroin. smack i always or, heard <laughs> i always heard that like like if, if if whenever i don't know how true it was like if it was really like tripping you saw a lot of shit then it probably had heroin in it I don't even. I don't know how to. Yeah, yeah, I don't even know how. To, but I always yeah. assumed that like some of the pain pills I had, I'd take. I mean, some of the ecstasy I'd oh, taken yeah. had heroin in it. Right. So, yeah. so obviously yeah. you're not allergic. Yeah. So we decide I'm not allergic, and I took them. And um, I think about that's kind of insane to even think that I would risk that. But um, yeah, you know, with like me and my friends, it's not like I'm around somebody responsible. Um, but you know, I took them and, and boy, like that was really like what I I felt like that's what I'd been missing. Like, and I think a part of it was the allure that I thought I couldn't have it for so long. Mm. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm selling these things. Um, I'm eating a lot of these things and, and it gets, you know, um, the opiate, the opiate epidemic nowadays, um, it's just so easy to progress, you know, you, you're taking this and then you're saying, oh, well, I don't think these 
these pills with all this Tylenol is good for me, so I'm going to move up to, yeah. you know, Oxys or whatever, Roxy's or whatever else. And, uh, you know, we're – so my friends are st- – most of my friends are still, like, managing their lives. Like, they're going to school. You know what I mean? Like, they're they're doing what they need to do. And taking from yeah. time to time. Yeah, they're partying too. But I, I never thought once, like – Huh? Why am I not doing those things? Mm. And I just thought, like, I, I thought you meant currently. I was like, well, if they're still in school, <laughs> maybe that's <laughs> no. But I, it was like back then. I was like, well, how come? But you know, I just thought maybe I was like a school's not for me kind of guy. Mm. Um, so yeah, you know, the progression goes forward. Um, I move. I actually moved out to the um, Cochon Delay place where my parents lived, Plosheville, Louisiana, middle of nowhere. I lived out there for a year, right? So that was like my first, well, I guess my second geographical change, but this one was also coupled with I wasn't with the boys. So you dropped out of school? Did you? Did I, did yeah. I, did I zone out while you said that? Uh, I never started, in essence. <laughs> I, I mean, I enrolled and then didn't go. Yeah. And then, like, I told my mom, like, oh, my, you know, professors don't like me or whatever it is or they're i can't understand them because they're from a different country that's why (laughs) and so i would do go like you know these like community colleges and enroll and not go but like just to be there with the the boys and like i really just was working a job you know the whole time so i could pay for stuff and um so yeah like i moved out to the country and uh the boys weren't around yeah you know so this is like I guess really looking back, it's like the first test, like to see what I'm really about. And so I go out there and I start working and, uh, that was, I got, that was my first electrical job. Like I was an electrician for five years before I got sober. And this was kind of like the beginning of that. Um, and while I was out there, I still found the stuff in the country. Like it's not easy finding stuff in the country, but I would go to the Walmart, you know, like 30 minutes away and I'd find the guy. I'd be able to and you just approach him. Yeah. I mean, like it would be like you, you uh, get loaded, <laughs> you know, and it would be like that. Or we, if there was a guy from work, I just found yeah. it, you know, and I, and if it sometimes it'd be somebody's cousin's nephew's brother-in-law and yeah. you know and uh i yeah. just found it eventually you make so many con business contacts <laughs> yeah yeah so um i didn't last long out there i lasted about a year out there and uh i was under the parents house again you know so i was like i can't do this so i went to a uh, electrical school in baton rouge um to get certified in electrical and uh i got like student loans to like go to trade school you know and uh <clears throat> I reunited with some of the boys, but it was a different kind of group, but still a bunch of guys I was close with. And, uh, man, it, like... In case people are wondering what that sound is, it's because uh got a big old dip in his yeah. mouth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Remnants yeah. from yeah. A, uh, of oils. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm, like, in Baton Rouge uh, with these guys, and... I'm kind of sticking out like a sore thumb and I don't think I am, but I'm still selling stuff and, and doing stuff that they're not doing. Um, like, you know, like pain pills and stuff like that. I pretty much am all like opiates at this point. Like mm. that's my thing, you that's know? It. 
and uh and weed and stuff and and drinking but um at that time they would tell me like dude like you're not like you're not like us <laughs> you know and i would just be like man like quit hating on me or whatever but you know, my friends would be drinking and go to the bar and I'd be like shooting up Oxycontin in my room and then like going to party with them downstairs looking <laughs> completely different. And, you know, they're like, man, like what's wrong with you? You know, so I kind of alienated myself from those guys um, within a year or two. Uh, you know, they like graduated college like people do. And uh, so I moved back to New Orleans and uh you know, I'm still doing my thing. I'm I'm making money, but spending money, and uh, my habits getting worse. Obviously. Uh, so at this point, you're still just doing oxys. Oxys and and weed and that kind of stuff. And uh, it's like when I was in New Orleans, when I'd visit New Orleans, I'd do heroin, and then because that was like really a treat, you know, mm. getting that. But when I was in Baton Rouge, it'd be like you know pain pills and oxys and stuff and did did you think like even like doing it from time to time did you still have that like well i'll never get hooked on heroin because that's just too much i'll never do the heroin consistently it'll just be something i do from time to time or no i was physically dependent at this point so you figured at some point you'd upgrade to full-time heroin well or you didn't... I, I figured as long as my uh, cash flow in could keep up with my habit mm -hmm. that I was okay, you know, and, and it, I wouldn't say it was okay. I mean, I still was struggling, but like, you know, I I had a good bit of illegal money coming in at the time. And, and I mean, like, I, but I knew I was physically dependent, you know, like I lived with my brother in Baton Rouge for a little while and that was real bad. Like he saw me firsthand just like you know not as full-blown as it got but bad um and uh yeah so by the time i moved to new orleans i was full-blown it was known that i was you know like a junkie um but the thing is is i was still able to like keep people around me somewhat sane people around me for a long time um Looking back, I don't see how they kept me around. And they probably didn't want to keep me around. And I, I just stuck around. But, um, you know, eventually I, I alienated them all the way. Um, and, uh, you know, I, so at that point, um, I move in with my grandfather. Who, uh, you know, this was maybe like two or three years before I got sober. Um, I move in with my grandfather. And my grandfather was you know, in his 90s, uh, very old. Uh, he worked a long career in the plants. He had been through the ringer, like he's a welder guy, just like, you know, and he also drank heavily, but um, he was also like a testament to willpower. Like like he drank heavy and then he had like a pacemaker and, his, and he had heart issues and the doctor mm -hmm. told him to stop and he stopped. Um, he would tell me stories about how, he quit smoking cigarettes with a carton on top of the microwave and he would just look at him and wow. be like, like John Wayne. Like that's wow. how I thought of like, I thought of my grandpa was like this John Wayne figure, like this man's old man, school. like old school. He was missing an ear, you know, <laughs> oh, like he had like half one of his fingers was like a nub because he like lost it. And my mom, I mean, like, I guess when I was a kid, my mom told me it was all like he was in the military during World War Two, but he never went overseas. But mm. she always like 
coughed it up. Like I always like assumed his ear got blown off by a grenade or something, but really it was probably just like ear cancer or something. Yeah. Um, that was that generation. I guess they were all tough. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And if, and if they weren't, they would let you know that they were, yeah. you know? And, um, oh, yeah, they had to like at mm-hmm. least show it. Yeah. So I'm living with my grandpa full blown and, uh, staying in his guest room. And then, and it's funny, I look back and I remember my aunts, my mom has five sisters or she's fought one of five girls. And I remember my aunts like messaging me and being like, behave yourself while you're at grandpa's. He's old. He can't hand. And I'd be like, what are you talking about? I'm good. And, you know, uh, my parents are still living out in the country at this time. And, uh, man, like that was like a really, really, really dark part of my life because I was like manipulating my, my grandpa. Like, um, he kept cash in his wallet, like old school, you know, so he'd keep like hundreds just <laughs> in the wallet just for whatever. And, yeah. and he didn't go anywhere, but he, for some reason, he always kept a fresh reserve of hundreds in his wallet. And, you know, there's times where like I would, you know, this is like the kind of guy I was like, I would like lure my grandpa like out of the living room and like his wallet would be on this little drink holder station thing and i would like lure him out like hey come see this like we should work on this and then like run in there and 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 then like you know all right well i gotta go grandpa if you need anything let me know and, and like he never even suspected so i Wait. think i think like i don't know i i still wonder that i know there there was a time where i like basically got busted and mm-hmm. it was uh I did that a couple times, but I was also like an electrician for probably about 40% of the New Orleans area, <laughs> for the contractors of the New Orleans area. I worked for so many different companies and I always had a job because electricians kind of like high demand type of trade, you know, and uh, that helped me and hurt me, obviously. But uh, I'd done that a couple times. And uh, so my parents wound up selling their house in the country. I still kind of believed a little bit that they kind of knew what was going on mm. and they, and, and my, and I think some of it had to do with like my mom wanted to be around for the final years of his life because yeah. he was kind of like his pacemaker was like running out of batteries and, and like, he was like basically saying like, I'm good on refreshing them things. Yeah. Like I, I just let him go. You know, he's like, I've lived long enough type thing. And uh, so my, my parents wound up moving back and that's really when it was like, you know, my condition was out there. Yeah. Um, Hard time. Mind you, like, it wasn't a secret that I was getting loaded. Like, I had been to an outpatient. I had been to detoxes before yeah. this. Um, you know, I went to a, an outpatient here in New Orleans, and uh, I remember the first the first question I asked when I walked in the door was, when can I get Suboxone? <laughs> you know, and I wasn't worried about recovering. I just wanted something you know uh and you know so it wasn't a it wasn't a secret that i had my issues and i think you know i still think to this day maybe my mom and dad came down here not only to be with my grandpa in the last years of his life but to see that i was okay or to be around to kind of like keep their eyes on things maybe be around you during the last days of your life (laughs) yeah i mean man and, and looking back i'll tell you like if the world was a fair place, I would be dead or in jail for life, you know, um, 
never killed anybody or anything like that, but just the amount of petty crimes I did <laughs> were like, you know, rap sheet really long. And, uh, you know, I thought that made me like this tough guy and like that I was doing this stuff. It's really crazy. This lifestyle like that I embrace so much, like, mm. you know, um, so my parents moved back and, uh, it wasn't long before, uh, they, when, after they came back to where it was like completely out there, my mom's trying to hold everything together, dude. Like I said, my mom and me have a very, very codependent relationship. So, um, my mom's doing her best. I'm, uh, I'm pawning stuff like, you know, left and right family heirlooms, <coughs> TV off the wall. Uh, I pawned my grandpa's wedding band twice, uh, you know, and, and this is, at that moment, I was truly living in the moment. Like, I wasn't being, pre I wasn't present, like you would say in recovery, yeah. but I was living for the moment. It was today. I don't care about what I do today, the effects that I'll have tomorrow. Yeah. It was like, right, I need to worry about right now. Yeah. And um, so, you know, man, I it's it was like a lot of... Uh, like really crazy excuses to explain why I pawned the stuff I pawned. And like, it'd be like, you know, um, Oh, I didn't realize that was your chain that granny gave you before she passed. I thought that was like one of my old roommates chain. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and, uh, you know, and like, I remember one time, uh, so my, well, basically my parents kicked me out the house. Yeah. Right. But I don't have anywhere to go. So I started living in the garage. Hmm. Okay, wait, let's take a quick break right now because um, I can't go past an hour on each recording. So it's been an hour. Well, no, nah, I don't think it's been quite an hour. But let's. We'll let, let's I don't. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> all right, it's yeah. all very, it's all very good, all very uh, intriguing. So I'll let you stretch. Maybe if you need to use the restroom or something. All right, cool. All right. All right, cool. We're back from break. Um, so I think you were. Just moving into your new garage. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, I, I moved into my parents' garage, and uh, you know, like they would lock up at a certain time, and then they'd be like, "Hey, uh, you know, locking up. Do you need food or a shower or anything?" And then they'd lock the door for the night. And uh, you know, at this time, like my grandpa's, you know, in his last year. Uh, and my mom has her purse locked in another room, you know, just crazy. Yeah. Uh, but they let me stay in the garage. But imagine, I couldn't imagine like being a parent, right, in that situation, yeah. and being like our kid, our boy, our baby boy, right, is you so, don't want to see him on the street. So we're just gonna let him sleep in the garage. That's got you know that had to be really tough for them. Yeah, I, I think it was, and I mean, talk about being trapped. You know, I think my dad like just thought I was having a trouble finding my way in life. Like he was mm -hmm. kind of, he's, he was kind of oblivious. My mom knew what was going on. Yeah. You know, I don't think she wanted to believe it, but she did. So this began my first inpatient treatment. Uh, so I pawned this family as a necklace. It was a gold necklace and it was like a Catholic thing that my granny handed down to my mom. So I, I'll go pawn this thing. And, um, I took my dad's car to the pawn shop to pawn it. So being the bright guy I was, um, I left the receipt 
from the pawn shop and it slipped between the driver's seat and the console. So my yeah. dad's vacuuming out his car. He finds this pawn shop receipt, gives it to my mom. So she confronts me about it. And she says, hey, what is this? It says, you know, four-way Catholic gold, you know, necklace. And I'm like, oh, that's not mine. <laughs> like, <laughs> she's like, okay, well, how about we go to this pawn shop and we find it and we, and we see if it's the necklace Granny gave me because I can't find it. So I'm like, all right, cool. You know, I'm trying to call her a bluff. And uh, so we're in the car. She pulls up to the pawn shop and uh, and she says, look, Kyle, I already went to the pawn shop. I already got it out. You know, it's it's the necklace. Um, you know, what's going on? Like oh, trying to confront me. So I'm denying it. I'm, you know, giving her excuses and uh, and telling her, oh, I thought it was my old roommates and like whenever he moved out, like I thought maybe that was just like something to stuff and I'm like need money right now. So, um, and I think this was like, it was crazy. It was like a sign from God maybe, but somehow my sister was on the phone with my mom. Like her, my mom's cell phone was sitting in the console mm. and me and my mom are talking, you know, and I'm denying it, denying it. And all of a sudden we just hear this voice. And it was like something like this, like, put that piece of shit on the phone right now. And me and my mom are looking at each other and, uh, and my mom's face went white. So I know she didn't know that my sister was on the phone. I guess it was a butt dial. My sister was listening in to the whole thing, maybe. Mm. And just like hear me basically fleece my mom, you know. And yeah. so she was like, you know, put him on the phone. I get on the phone and. Do you don't she, think your mom knew she was on the phone? I don't think so. Really? I haven't asked her though, but oh. she, I don't think so, dude. The way her face went white, I don't. I really don't think she was. She knew. probably felt like, like, she, no matter. Like she needed strength in numbers, and I mean, she did. Yeah. She was my mother. She didn't want me to. She didn't want to admit that I was doing these yeah. things. Okay. So I talked to my sister, and she said, "I never want to talk to you again. You leave our family alone." Oh. Um. You know, like, you know, that tough love stuff. And yeah. um, so that was the first time I was desperate enough to please my family to go to an inpatient treatment. I did. I went to a 30-day thing in Lake Charles. Um, I did enough 12-step to get out, and mm -hmm. I did that. I moved into a um, sober living house, and uh, I think it was three days. I, I They found me loaded with a needle in, in my room. Mm. So I got kicked out of my Oxford house. That's in Lake Charles. No, this is actually here. back in New Orleans. Oh. I did the Lake Charles thing. I came back, and uh, and I told my I think I told my mom that they they put me in the same room as a crackhead, and I didn't want to live with them. So <laughs> so I went back to the back to the old Raj, you know, for me. And uh, so I'm back there, and I last another couple months. And did you I, like? Did you ever, did you try to like make it homey at all? The garage. Oh yeah, you know, I mean like. There was a bed in there and, and like, an AC um, and a toilet, mm, and that oh. was it. You know, I, um, I had, like, my clothes in there and a TV. But it was really, like, the saddest, most lonely. Yeah. I mean, I remember getting loaded and, like, talking to my dog, you yeah. know, and and I'm pretty sure my dog didn't want to have anything to do with me um, at that time. You know, he's probably looking at me like this dude here. Uh, <clears throat> wow. And... um. You know, I lived, 
before this, you know, that I'm missing stuff in my story, like, you know, living in some sketchy neighborhoods where my mom is like moving me out the hood into another place in the hood, you know, because that roommate kicked me out. There's a bunch of stuff that's just like ludicrous. Yeah. Looking back, looking back. And, uh, so <clears throat> this brings me to a uh, bridge house for the first time, which is like a, another inpatient treatment here. It's more long-term in new Orleans. Um, and I lasted 30 days there. I got kicked out of bridge house and, um, uh, and I remember being, and this was kind of like the moment where I knew I was act, absolutely screwed was I was in the lobby, the bridge house. And I remember telling them like, I didn't have anywhere to go. My parents said, you're not living in the garage. You're not living. You're gone. Yeah. So I was like living up my car basically. Um, you it know, like I, a Mazda was it a, it was a, a Mitsubishi. Like, was what, it, what was that? It was a, it was a car, right? It was like Hyundai. A, Hyundai. Yeah. With I a smashed it. up front end. <laughs> uh, that's a funny story, actually. I don't know if we have time to tell it, but it's pretty good. Um, basically, the wind, the I hit, I ducked out at the wheel, hit a trailer hitch on a truck, uh-huh. dented up the front hood. I couldn't close it all the way, so I tried to tape it shut with, uh, with like, it wasn't scotch tape. It was like the packaging tape, like the clear stuff. And I tried to tape it down. I went on the interstate to go get some dope, and uh, it f- smashed the windshield. It was anyway. It was a wreck. Um, you know, my seat, my, my car at that time, like had blood stains everywhere from mm. get, you know, yeah. <clears throat> seat belt was like half red. And, um, anyway, I digress. Yeah. Um, so I'm in the lobby at bridge house and I'm like, you know, I'm going to show these people. I had nowhere to go. So I knew I had to come back. And I was like, I'm going to show these, you know, ex- explicit words that I can stay sober, you know, and I'm going to come back in two weeks. Um, but within an hour, my mom is crying. My crying mother picks me up from Bridge House, and um, I'm telling her my plan, how I'm gonna stay sober. We get home. I steal her cell phone. I steal her car, and I'm off. Hmm. An hour later, <laughs> an hour later, like, and, and that's. So I woke up um, four hours later in my mom's car that I stole uh, on the side of Elysian Fields. Um, I overdosed, I guess, you know, and that was one of many before that, you know, um, and, uh, I remember just being like, God, dude, you know, I'm so screwed. And, uh, so I, I lived out my car for two weeks. I was so anxious to get back to bridge house and, uh, I held my grandpa's wedding band. I somehow got into my parents' house. I had my grandpa's wedding band in my hand again. One last time, it was day 13, I think, or 14, and uh, somebody from Bridge House called me, and they said, hey, man, you have a bed with your name on it. You know, come on. And at that moment, I put the ring down, and I went to Bridge House. I don't know why I did it. I was just, I just knew I was screwed. Yeah. And uh, That's a great moment, though. Yeah. I, looking back, I'm glad I did that. Um, but uh, It's the air compressor. Uh, it's all good. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I go to Bridge House, man, and I, I just did what they told me to do, like, you know, 12-step kind of stuff. AA was 12-step program, last resort for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I tried everything else. I, you know, I tried the girlfriend. I, you know, um, tried the girlfriend thing. I tried the weed thing. I tried just doing this, just doing that, just doing this, and it never worked. So I knew I was out of options. And, uh, you know, I went, and I, and I took the suggestions that they did, and I did a 12-step program, and... Um, 
you know, I can't lie with the results. That was, uh, I went to Birch House. It was, you know, that was January 28th of 13. So it's almost six years ago. Um, wow. Yeah. And I mean, uh, I think 12 step programs are great. Like, they have a lot of different ones um, for different things. And I know that um, I think it's more about like being an alcoholic or an, or an addict is more like this this soul sickness you know it's it's like a real illness and it's like uh they call it the ism you know mm. like the ism at the end yeah. and uh i man i know people that have that ism without the substance yeah like you know uh people that are close to me they have that same fear they have that same insecurity the manipulation the you know just anxiety all that stuff and I think a lot of people could benefit from a 12-step program yeah um because it's like inner work and uh you know I'm I'm a product of that so it's it's really what I know as far as sobriety goes and it's the only thing that ever worked for me um and man like you know I have a lot of fun in sobriety I'm very, uh, I don't take myself seriously. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I think that my best years have been in sobriety. Um, when I went into Bridge House or treatment, I, uh, so I thought I was like this street guy, you know, like this <laughs> cool, like, like hustling, like, guy and and like this hardcore dude but that wasn't the truth you know i was living this lie and uh who i was then now it is not similar yeah uh it's like and i remember someone told me that when early in sobriety like i was i said something about my shoes or something i was like yeah these are like (laughs) you know and and he was like dude he's like one day you're gonna find out who you are yeah you know and i don't even think he's sober anymore but i remember he told me that and it was kind of like what do you mean (laughs) like first it was like what do you mean but now i know what he means like my interests, my hobbies, all that stuff is night and day. Yeah. And uh, I do a lot of the stuff I used to make fun of people for doing. Yeah. Hunting and fishing, that kind of thing. And now you make fun of the stuff you used to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I mean, like, to give you all an example, I told you the, the story with my sister, you know, like on the phone. Yeah. Like the voice of God type situation. Wow. Um, you know, like, I got sober and uh and and she she asked me to be the godfather for her firstborn child you know what i mean and uh dude that was like (laughs) that was amazing yeah you know that's like a testament of what it can do um my grandpa get out of my life yeah yeah and rightly so yeah you know um i think that i was a making of a lot of a lot of my addiction and and uh looking back like I take responsibility for um, my drinking and how I did it and everything like that. Um, another example is like, you know, I got keys to that same house. My parents live in that house now. My grandpa lived in. Uh, he passed, and uh, and I was able to make amends to him before he passed. Mm. Uh, granted, it was on his deathbed. Wow. Um, but, 
you know, that was the same guy that I would come in detox and he would say, I don't know what you need, but you need something, you know? And it's, it's crazy because he was right. And I I did need something. And, uh, and being able to do that and get that closure was cool. My parents still live in that house, like the one that they didn't let me in. And I got keys to that. Um, you know, like I couldn't keep a relationship before, like a friendship because I didn't know what that was, but um, you know, like I'm getting married in three months and, uh, that's crazy because, uh, I couldn't even have a friendship before. Yeah. And now I have something intimate with somebody that, uh, you know, like she's, I found, I got lucky enough to find somebody who, uh, likes me for me. And, uh, you know, I'm really grateful for that too. Um, not to mention like, you know, just like material type stuff, like a job, I'm able to be a employee that's valued or you know i bought a house a couple years ago or Mm. you know that like just that kind of stuff two years already a year and a half let's 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 call it two (laughs) rounding up uh but you know that's like that's stuff that people can see and they'll be like you're doing great you know um but to be honest like i think the biggest thing was like dude i used to wake up every morning and the first thing that came to my mind was, fuck, I got to do all this again. Yeah. You know, I got to make all this happen again. And then, oh, God, what did I do yesterday to make this happen? And it's like this rolling snowball of guilt. Yeah. And then, um, you know, like, like, screw it, you know. Um, but I, when I wake up now, I don't, I don't, I don't feel that yeah. I might say it because I'm tired, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not the same. Yeah. Um, so yeah, man, I mean, I, and, and another thing that's cool is like a, a lot of that guilt in the stuff I felt early on, like, dude, you get sober and you're just like, it all slams you, Yeah. you know, like, damn, like I gotta basically face up to all this stuff and, uh, dude like that's that's the thing that um allows me to help other people is that guilt that stuff like the the stuff that you think uh is the worst yeah in the world and that you don't want anybody to know is is what you want the other guy who's suffering like i am to know so that so that he might relate to me yeah you know uh it's ironic sobriety is like ironic in that way sometimes um and uh or like yes weird like 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 living your life like a pos somehow yeah. <laughs> like is, is like on this end of it it's like a, an asset like oh yeah yeah <laughs> and i mean um i don't know where anywhere in the else in the world you can do that yeah um i don't and another thing is like that and helping somebody gives me a reason to to be or like a reason to wake up in the morning you know like that it's not just like that's important yeah well it's i'm not just like waking i I wouldn't when i first got sober if you would have said hey kyle i got a deal for you you you'll be able to smoke weed like another person and and go to work and pay your bills and watch south park and go to sleep i would have taken that deal like a hundred percent like absolutely that's what i always wanted i want to be like that and but now no oh, I, won't, I don't want that yeah. like because my life's not just those things my life's not just to pay the bills and mm. to 
go to sleep and and that stuff you know there's a reason there's a purpose behind it yeah and i mean there's a lot of other things that come along you know like my fiance and and, and stuff like that some gifts that i've been given but none of that would have been possible without being sober yeah um because i didn't i didn't know how to show love to anybody like i i was not capable i was capable of saying i love you or i I have love for you yeah nothing i did showed that ever you know? Yeah, I think a lot of times saying it is more of like a, it's for your own self. It's an inside validation. Like, yeah, like I love you, man. You yeah. know, or you know, whatever. Um, it's almost like saying it and receiving the saying back is like, okay, thank you, Rad. I needed that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, man, I'm so I'm so needy when it comes to that stuff. Sometimes. Yeah. Um, I know with my fiance, I'll say I love you just to hear it back. I love you. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Yeah. yeah, dude, you ain't a hard ass. Oh, I'm soft, bro. <laughs> that's good I'm though. Soft. That's a good thing, man. Soft. I still, uh, I know I say this a lot, but I know I still remember. Just, uh, you were like, just a, uh, you seemed like a knucklehead when I met you, and uh, I'm still I'm, I, no, exactly. I was gonna say that <laughs> <laughs> you're still a bit of a knucklehead, but I thought you, you know, it's it's. I I'm so guilty of this over and over and over again that the long and I never learn that I I'll, I'll look at somebody and I'll go that knucklehead probably it won't get it yeah you know right a knucklehead is just gonna keep you know running into that wall until he dies probably and it's really sad mm-hmm. and i forget that like that whatever it is we do in the tw- in, in, in the programs that we're in right the, the 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 lifestyle that we choose to live that we're kind of forced to live actually that at least i was forced to live it'll change you yeah it'll change who you are mm-hmm. uh, i think uh it brings out like the the person that we really are deep down yeah you know like that guy told me yeah you know you're gonna find out who you are yeah i think and essentially most people when you get past the like i need to be hard i want to it's all fear right but at the core we're we're like we want to connect and we want to be told that we're loved (laughs) and we want to tell people we love them yeah so um man yeah I think we're good, huh? That's a wrap. It's a wrap? That's a wrap, dude. Yeah. For the record, Kyle was crying. <laughs> <laughs> I got a uh, little teared up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, which, yeah. Which is awesome. And, uh, you know, that doesn't yeah. translate in the audio, but. I, <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you exposing me. Yeah. yeah. No, it's good. No, I mean, look, it's, you forget, dude. Yeah. You forget uh, whenever, you, you know, I find that, um especially if I'm talking to somebody who's like newly sober, I'll go through my story and it's like, as I'm telling it, I'm like, wow. Like, yeah. You know, like I didn't, it's hard to relate. Yeah. Um, to that, even what I did. And, and then you see, and then you kind of see like, where you kind of see where you're at now. Yeah. And, and it's like, um, like a bitch slap of gratitude. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the condensed <laughs> version where like, you know, it's years, right? But yeah. the condensed version, like you see the plain contrast between who you were and who you are today. Yeah. And it, it really is mind blowing. And, uh, I thank you so much for coming to do this, man. Yeah. No problem. Now we'll check our fantasy scores. Don't be kids. <laughs> <laughs>